Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I read a story um, online this week that really summarizes our study uh, this morning, really summarizes John chapter 1, the couple of verses we're going to talk. But you know what? It did more than that. It actually broke my heart. And you go, why did it break your heart? Well, in a minute, I'm going to share this story with you, but it broke my heart because I think that's where a lot of people are today. A lot of people in the church, a lot of people in the world, and I want you to listen very closely. The story goes like this. It's about a woman who walked in darkness and desperately needed life. This is just some of her story. She was 18 years old when she starred in her first X-rated movie. Launching then a seven-year career in the adult entertainment industry, Brittany, we'll call her, got her start in 2006. At that time, she was a college freshman, and she was planning on going into broadcast journalism, but she was also dancing at a California strip club. And while dancing helped pay for tuition, It also gave Brittany the attention that she had always longed for. And she writes this, quote, The cheering and the applause made me feel good. It made me feel affirmed. Because the life where I always, because I lived a life where I always felt like I was rejected. And like I was never good enough and I didn't belong. Well, one night while she was dancing, two men asked her if she was interested in filming porn. The next day, she was on a movie set at a home in L.A., and here's her thinking. She said, quote, I thought, well, okay, I'm already promiscuous. I take my clothes off for money. Why not take it a step further? And I honestly thought, I'm going to make even more money, and I can still finish school, and I didn't think that there were going to be such horrible consequences. She quickly, she was quickly caught up in the life of a porn star and all that came with it. The praise of an adoring audience, the money, and all the recognition. And here's what she says. She says, every time I got an award in that industry, it made me feel like I had accomplished something. But none of those things fulfilled her need for love. With each passing year, Brittany says she would slip into further and further into depression. Although publicly, she said, I was smiling. Internally, I was hurting, and I was crying, and I never told anyone. Well, hoping to break the cycle, like a lot of us do, Brittany agreed to attend church with her grandfather. She says her hope was somewhat restored that day. That was something that she had lost over the years, being in the porn industry. And basically in life, she said, I lost hope. And Jesus gave me hope. So I prayed a prayer, she said. I prayed the prayer of salvation that day. I was given a Bible. But see, listen, Brittany never went back to church or pursued her faith. And she returned to the sex industry. Brittany writes, I didn't know the truth. I was living in sin and darkness because the light hadn't been turned on in my life yet. The article goes on to say that she did have an encounter with Jesus, 
She said, I was getting ready to fly to Las Vegas to shoot a movie, and she felt the Holy Spirit impress upon her heart to take her Bible, the Bible she had gotten at church, and she grabbed her Bible, and in, on that flight from L.A. to Las Vegas, she read something, and the light came on. She had an encounter with Jesus. And she said at that point, she just couldn't believe it. And there she sat with tears just weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And at that point, she truly gave her life to Jesus Christ. Brittany cut all ties with the porn industry and started pursuing God and living a life for Jesus Christ. Now, notice what she says in her final comments. Through Christ, I am able to see myself with love because for the first time in my life, I had found real, true love. It felt so good to know that I'm, not only did my creator love me, but that he could love me even after every mistake I made in life. After every sin I committed, after everything, he loved me through it all. And that was a love so deep, I didn't even know it existed. Church, as we make our way verse by verse through the gospel of John, we discover that it is Jesus and only Jesus who gives life. And when you really think about it, what does a dead man really need? A dead man needs more than anything is life, right? And if you listen to the story intently, I think there were some key phrases that I believe that a lot of people will, are actually saying themselves. A lot of people that are longing to hear and, 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 and from more than just the world, will you go, well, like what? Well, like number one, notice that Brittany says, every time I got an award in that industry, it made me feel like I had accomplished something. See, a lot of people feel like Brittany. They're needing some accomplishment. They're needing like, listen, I need to feel like I have a purpose, that I have a worth. Every time something happened, it made me feel good. I was finding, and I was trying to find my worth in what everybody else was saying. And when I got an award, she said, that's it. That's it. It made me feel like we matter in life and that we had a purpose. Church, listen, there's a lot of people out there that feel and are walking around like they have no purpose. If you were listening to the article, number two, she says, her quote, her words, the cheering and the applause made me feel good. It made me feel affirmed because I lived a life where I always felt like I was rejected. And I wasn't good enough, and I didn't belong. And church isn't that what a lot of people feel. They grow up thinking, you're not good enough. Why can't you be better? What is wrong with you? You're not good enough. You make so many mistakes. And, and a lot of people grow up, and that's what she said. She said, you know what? i got to be honest with you. The cheering made me feel like I belonged, like I did something right, that I mattered to somebody. Oh, it was part of the sex industry, but that's what she said. She said she grew up, she probably grew up in a home where she felt that she was never good enough. And so she started looking for it somewhere else. Number three, Brittany says, that was something that she had lost over the years of being in the porn industry and in life. You go, what did she lose? She lost hope. And I believe, church, that there's a lot of folks, guys, there's, there's a lot of folks that are, well, they've lost hope. And they're living their lives with no hope. 
And she was saying, you know, I just, I never realized it. Number four, if you recall the article, she says, I didn't know the truth. Why not, Brittany? Because I was living in sin and darkness and because the light had not been turned on in my life yet. She was living in sin and darkness. The light hadn't come on. There's a lot of folks, guys, that are living in in darkness. And the problem with darkness, guys, is if we were to cut off all the lights and try to walk in the dark, you usually stumble, usually fall. You don't know where you're going. And she realized this. Why? But once you turn on the light, you can find your path really easy. Listen, church. What we, what we all need is an encounter with the living God. You know, Ben, you've said that. What do you mean? Guys, do you, did you realize that Brittany prayed a prayer? She got a Bible, but she never encountered the God who created her. I went to church. I, got, I prayed this prayer, but I, I don't know. I just I went back into the sex industry. But here's the good news. The good news, guys, listen. But, there, but hope was on the way. You go, how so? He never gave up on her. And don't you just love a God who says, I'm not giving up on you. I am not giving up on you. You can run. You can hide. You can go. You can be in darkness, but I'm still going to pursue you. My relentless love is going to pursue you. And that's what he did. He never gave up. His love for her was overwhelming, and he continued to pursue her. Aren't you glad today, church, that we don't serve a God that looks at us and goes, okay, that's it. I'm done with you. You're never going to learn. You're never going to get it. You keep making mistakes. Aren't you glad? We have a God that says, no, 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 I love you. Get up. Get up. It's okay. I know you're hurting. That's the God that Brittany found. As we continue in our study, church, remember, remember where we left off last week, okay? You go, what did we learn? Well, we learned that Jesus was in the beginning far beyond time. Genesis 1.1 says the creation of time and the creation of the world. John tells us that Jesus was there way before that. And then he says, as a matter of fact, he was face to face with the Father. And you remember that word with, you go, what does that word with mean? Well, the word is a preposition and it indicates both equality and distinction in identity. That is the coolest thing. You go, why? Because with Jesus, it means he was equal with God yet distinct in who God was, in his identity. You could write this in your Bible if you're taking notes. Jesus was face-to-face in fellowship with the Father. Well, well like when, Pastor Ben? Like, like in Genesis or in during, way before Genesis? Okay, in your mind, go back to Genesis 1.1. Go a day before he created anything. Jesus, listen, Jesus being equal in identity, yet distinct, was face-to-face with God, having fellowship. Well, what were they doing? Fellowship. Pastor, you expect me to believe. You expect me to believe that there was this God, this Father, this Spirit that was just always there? And in him, there was Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the three. And you expect me to believe that? I, what were they doing? Were they, were they making other universes? Were they, was he creating other worlds? What was he doing? I don't know. But the Bible tells me, and I got to walk by faith, that he was there. 
And he's always been there. And he's eternal. And then John. John then lays down what we call his mic drop statement. You know what I'm talking about? It's the statement is so, you just base, that's it. I mean, how can you even recover from that? You go, why? Because he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And he goes, now listen, whoo, listen. And Jesus was God. Boop, right? He just drops it. Why? Look at that statement. He says this, that he says, basically, we discover that Jesus, guys, the ones we're pursuing, the, the man, the God man who we, we know walked 2,000 years ago in Israel and all over, he was God. And it was a clear statement of deity. John, our defense attorney, stands up, drives home the point and the purpose. Jesus is God. Now, I love this. Why? Because you notice in his opening statement, it only took three sentences before he tells you the real purpose of what's going on here. Why? Well, who, who, you had the Gnostics on the other side going, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was not God. He was a spirit. He was a spirit. He just wasn't. And then the other guy going, no, he was a man. He wasn't a man. He wasn't. Divine didn't come on. John's like, listen, let's get this straight. Jesus was God. Any questions? That's really what he's saying. And then he goes on and he tells us now, in case you forgot, Jesus was with him in the beginning. Wow. That's what we learned last week. Now, as we get into our study this morning, if you're taking notes, we're going to learn two things about Jesus. You go, what are they? Number one, Jesus, the life, his relationship to creation. Jesus, the life, his relationship to creation. You want to jot this down. Number two, Jesus, the light, his relationship to man. So you have Jesus, the life, that's important, and Jesus, the light, his relationship to man. I'm calling this message, dead men need life. You go, why are you calling it that? Well, today, guys, we discover and we learn that life, true life, only comes through Christ. As a matter of fact, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, John, the writer, says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And that's pretty plain. He says, listen, if you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, uh-uh, you don't have life. Well, let me see. Can I misinterpret that? No. Why? Because he says, if you have Jesus, you have life. Now, we got to dig a little bit more, right? we got to dig a little bit more. Dead men need life, don't you think? That's, that's the most important thing. Dead men need life. Actually, reminds me of a cute little fun story. Um, let me share it with you. It goes like this. It says, three men die in a car accident and attend an orientation in heaven. Okay, so three men die and they go up to heaven. The angel sitting there asks, when you are in your casket and your friends and family are mourning you, what would you like to hear them say about you? Okay, think about that, okay? Three men die, they're up in heaven, the angel comes up, he's like, welcome, glad you're here. Now listen, we have your funeral services going on down below. I'm curious, what would you like your family and friends to say about you? 
One of them says, oh, goodness, okay, let me think. Um, okay, okay, I got it. Sir, I would like him to say that I was a great doctor and a loving family man. And everybody goes, oh. The second one goes, wow, that's a tough one. I, I know, I would like him to say that I was a caring husband and a school teacher who made a, he made a huge difference in kids' lives. I was like, wow, the third guy's going, Hmm. Oh, I get it. You know what I would like them to say? Look, he's moving. Right? Because why? Dead men need life. Now, as we jump into our text, keep Brittany from our story in mind as we make our way through the verses. Now, remember our story that Brittany said. She felt that what? She felt like life was too complex, too, too crazy for God to understand. He, she goes on in her story, you see, that she felt that she had no purpose being here on earth. I don't know where I belong. I don't know why I was born. What's my purpose? You see, Brittany was asking the type of questions that the first century readers would be asking, that, that the people that John is writing to they would be asking the same questions. You see, the people, after hearing John come out with his statement, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? In the beginning, he was with him in the beginning. Here's what the people would be asking. Whoa, 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 whoa. let me see if I get this. That just blew my mind. And you go, why? He, they would start asking questions like Brittany did. They would ask some of the questions like, well, okay, well, let me see. How can a man named Jesus who walked this earth be involved in creation? I mean, I don't, I don't understand that. How you know, what, what, what was his purpose? Or how can a man be involved in all of creation and still be a man? See, much like today, church, some of those same questions are still being asked. In a recent Gallup poll, it shows that 48% of Americans believed in creation over evolution. 48% said, yes, I believe in creation, but that only leaves, that, that still leaves 52% that don't. 52% of Americans don't believe in creation. Now you go, well, what's the point of that? Now listen, jot this down. What you and I believe about creation determines how we live our life. Let me say that again. What you and I believe about creation determines how we live our life. And you go, how so? How so, Pastor? If you and I were to fall in the 52% that did not believe in creation but believed in an evolution, evolutionist theory, then I live my life so random, and how it turns out, we leave the chance. 52%, if we're going, I believe in evolution, well, then you're basically walking going, I don't know how this whole thing turns out. Some people say, I'm just going to go in the ground and, and, and that's it, and I'm going to just sleep, I don't know. But if you are part of the 42% that believe in intelligent design, that you believe that a wonderful creator who loves you and talks to you and walks with you daily, who knows what you are going through, who understands your struggles, who knows your pain, a creator who walks with you and says, I know how you feel, who knows your loneliness, 
yet is willing to die a horrible death for you, then your life, well, that's a little bit different, is it not? Well, then you have a purpose and you have a plan. And God says, listen, I've got you and I'm, and I'm, I'm illuminating your walk. You see, Church, listen to me. Listen, let's get one thing straight about heaven. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've had an encounter with Jesus, heaven is secure. It's yours. Okay? It's yours. It's not a reward. Why? Heaven, heaven is not... Because you get rewards for what? For doing something good. You can't do anything. It's not a reward. It's a gift. But the light that you live in the encounter with God is going to illuminate you so well that you're going to have victory and abundant life here on earth. And that's what, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, how are you have victory? How are you going to have an abundant life? Well, the writer of Hebrews writes it best. In Hebrews chapter 4, 14 and 15, he says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Why? This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. You have a great high priest who goes, I know what you're going through. You have a great high priest who knows, who knows the tears that you shed at night that nobody else knows. You have a great high priest who knows your thoughts and loves you and wants to comfort you. So we pick up our story, guys, in verse 3. Point number one, Jesus alive, his relationship to creation. It says, all things were made what through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. What's he talking about? He's talking about creation. Okay, all things were made through him. And then all of a sudden you're thinking creation, so my mind automatically goes back to the Genesis account, right? Genesis, because that's creation. What happened in Genesis? Well, if you remember in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created, and then he goes on to list the next two chapters of what he created, right? So creation. So wait a minute, Ben. So John says, all things were made through him, okay, creation, and without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. That's creation. Okay, let's talk about a little bit about creation for just a minute. One of the most used phrases in Genesis account is, and God said, right? And God said, let there be light. And God said. When God spoke, it became so. In creation, we witness, church, the power, the majesty, the wisdom of God. And God said. The creative force which acted to bring all things into existence was not impersonal, but rather a living being. Why? He is called the Word. He is eternal. He is with God, and he is God. So we determined, okay, so now you have, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? We learned that, that, that Jesus was God, both in equality, yet distinct in identity. And he's like, okay, so... Hmm. Pastor, what are you trying to say? The, the one we came to know as, as Jesus was an active agent in creation. See, the Genesis account makes it clear that there is a plurality of persons that are included in the one God we worship. How so? In the beginning, the writer of Genesis employs the term Elohim in the Hebrew. Elohim. Why is there a plurality in persons? Because El in Hebrew is one God, 
Elo is two gods. Elohim is actually three or more. And so you're saying, okay, so right off the bat, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, in the creation account, Elohim, three in one. Three in one. Three in one? Yeah. And then he goes on to say, remember, and then in, in, in about verse 26 of chapter one, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Who is the us? If God was the single God, and, and it's just like, well, who are the us? Well, no, right off the bat, we learn, church, that there is a plurality of the persons that are included in one God in which we worship. You go, okay, Ben, but, but what, does that, what does that mean to me? Well, hold on. I'll get there in just a second. The word, Jesus, carried out this determination in the mind of God. Why? He was active in creation. So, Pastor, you're telling me that Jesus was very active in creating everything and still came down as the God-man to die for our sins and save us? Yeah. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, there are several passages where the sun's, speaks of the sun's role in creation. You go, well, like what? Well, I'm going to give these to you really slow. We don't have time for the sake of our study, but jot these down. Ephesians chapter 3, 9 through 11 speaks of it. Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. Colossians chapter 1, 16 and 7 speaks of the sun's role in creation. And of course, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, and so forth. Oh, Pastor, can you give those to me again? Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 3, 9 through 11. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Hebrews 1, verse 2. Pastor, why did you give me those verses? Here's why. Because I want you to be Bereans. I want you to go home and I want you to look up these verses and go, what Pastor said is right, I want to make sure. Because we never take what a man says at face value. We trust the Lord, we work, we, do, we, we search it out. We want to make sure. It's what you're saying? And that goes for everybody, church. Sometimes you might be flipping through the channels and you'll come across, uh, you know, the Christian station or religious station or whatever it might be, and somebody sounds really, really good, and they could be leading you astray doctrinally. But if you're Berean and you check it out, you go, no, 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 no. No. But I will say this. These passages plainly show that the Son, the Word of God, is the source of all creation. Nothing has come into being apart from Him. Now, I know what you're, you guys are looking at me like, okay, Pastor, but what does that mean to me? Okay? Okay, here's what it means. The Son Himself is eternal. We got that right in the first two verses. The Son is eternal. Therefore, he couldn't have created himself. If he was already in existence, how could he create himself? Right? So right off the bat, that blows, that blows holes in all of the Gnostics' thinking. If he was already eternal, if he was already, right, before time, how could he create himself? How could he be just like, oh, okay. You see, he is the source of Life itself and no created living thing exists apart from him. You know what that means? You were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Let that sink in. Why? 
Because when the enemy comes in and says, you're a loser, you never do anything right, you have nothing, you accomplish nothing, you're going to end up nothing, you're going to... You know what you say, um, excuse me, take a hike. Because I was created and Jesus knows about it and he was a part of it and he was, yeah. You get that, right, church? You're not here just because... Mom and dad got married and thought, hey, you know what? You're here because God has a plan and a purpose for you. You're here because, because you got saved because God goes, listen, I, 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 I have just a place for you, man. I have ju- your personality, just a ministry for you. Problem is, is we fight. We say, oh, I don't know, Lord. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I just go to church. I'm saved. I'm saved. Go to church. No, God's going, no, I have so much more for you. You want to get crazy? You want to get crazy? You want to see people come? To, man, listen, here's what we can do. Here's what we can do. And I mean, so Jesus, guys, was involved in creation. Well, Pastor, I've got a question for you. That's pretty cool. But how does that help me? How does that like, I mean, because listen, Pastor, you don't know, I mean, the bills are due. We can't make ends meet. We're struggling. And uh, our relationship is not that great. My husband and my wife, what do we do? What do we do? Listen, because Jesus had always been in existence and he's involved in creation. Guys, that shows you that his power is the same power that you can call on to walk with you every single day, to restore marriages. You see, more to come in just a minute. Point number two, point number two, Jesus, the light, his relationship to man. Look at verse four. In Christ was life. That's a good place for an amen right there. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. You go, Pastor, what, what was that again? Well, let me give it to you this way. The word Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life, when he came down, he brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. And you think the darkness would, would want to put it out, right? Why? Because people were walking in the dark, and when Jesus came to the earth, he brought and illuminated people's lives, and so they can see. And darkness was like, no! Turn off the light! We don't want anyone to see. We want people to walk in sin and darkness and just be ruined for the rest of their life. Jesus shows up says, hi, I'm the light. Not, not only that, I'm life and light. And not only that, I've been the life and the light for the past and the present. You go, how so? Well, that phrase there, the life, and it was the light of men, it's in the Greek imperfect tense. And it means that the life began to be the light of men in the past and continues to be in the present. So you can't go, well, that was just a light back in 2000 when Jesus walks in. He says, no, 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 it's for us today. He's still the light. He's still the light of the world. You see, listen, church. The Son of God is the source and essence of life itself. Now, here's the problem. Okay, you ready? I want you to put your thinking caps on. I want you to think of Brittany. Okay, what was Brittany? Brittany was lost where? Brittany was lost in darkness and sin. What she needed was life. Now, 
Here, here's the problem, okay? We need to understand that the Son of God is the source and the essence of life. When lost in darkness and death, where's the blessed, where is the best place to look for redemption in the source of all life? Jesus. The problem is, is that a lot of people continue to look for life in the source of death, which is Satan. Isn't that heavy? You see, Brittany, she had lost hope, but, but what she needed was life. But she went back into the sex industry where she was trying to find life in something that was already dead. Do you guys remember when, do you guys remember the empty tomb? What did the angel say? He said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He was like, wow, are you serious? Why? A lot of people, guys, when they're struggling in darkness and, they're, and, they're, and there's death and darkness and sin, they need to run to the only one that can give life. They need to have an encounter with Jesus. But a lot of us go back and we try to look for life in things that are already dead. Woo. The Bible tells us, guys, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this is exactly what happens to those who are stranded in darkness. They seek life, but not in the source of life. You see, that's exactly what a lot of people do. I'm going to find life. I'm going to try to find it in my career. I'm going to try to find it in my relationship. I'm going to try to find it in my husband. I'm going to try to find life in my wife. I'm going to try to find it in my whatever it is, in, in the way I feel with applause and, and, and affirmation. I'm going to try to find it because my daddy never loved me and I want my daddy to love me. And, and, and we try to find life in things that are, things that are dead. But church, listen. Remember what Brittany said in our story. She goes, I didn't know the truth. I was living in sin and darkness. Why? Because the light hadn't been turned on in my life yet. And I need to make this super, super duper clear. There's a lot of people who will show up to church and they'll lift up their hand and they'll pray a prayer and we'll give them a Bible and we'll never see them again. Were they saved? Did they have a true encounter with God? Did they have a true encounter with God? You see, what mankind really needs, well, let me, let me just volley the question to y'all. What does, what does mankind need? And a lot of us would say, well, they need forgiveness. And I say, amen. And mankind needs compassion. And you go, that's right. And how about grace? Oh, yes, we need a lot of grace and mercy. That's what mankind needs. But you know what mankind needs more important than anything else? He needs life. He needs life. You see, dead men need life. And when you find the life, the life that only he can give because he is the source of life, guess what happens? Well, then you find forgiveness. And then you find compassion, and then you find grace. Why? Because it's wrapped up in who the life is. You see, we, keep, we, we sort of get it a little bit of backwards. Well, I, need, I need forgiveness. No, you need to live first. You need to live first. And once you're alive, you're like, oh, in the life, oh, there's forgiveness. How does that work, church? Listen to me. That means that you are now forgiven from every mistake and every thing in your life. 
but it also gives you the ability to forgive those that have hurt you. You you feel the grace and the compassion of the Lord, but it also allows you to extend that grace and compassion to people. Church, there's people, there's people in our lives right now that we have to extend grace and mercy and compassion. You go, I will not. Yet you want it from God for you. I mean, isn't that silly, right? God, I just need compassion for me because I'm a mess up. I just everything. And God's like, amen, I forgive you. And you're like, cool. Not you. You don't deserve it. Isn't it weird? Like we're ready to accept it for us, but we're not ready to give. Guys, here's my hope, okay? We're going to close. Let me see how much time I have. Okay. We're going to close with this. My prayer, guys, is that we would have a wonderful or have had a wonderful encounter with God. You go, why? Because you need to know Jesus. Here's why. Listen, last night we were flipping through the channels and and we came across the Christian station and there was a pastor, I won't tell you who he is, but he was giving us just some wonderful, just wonderful knowledge about Israel. Did you know, did, and you guys probably did, did you know that when Jesus comes back, okay, he's going to set his foot on the Mount of Olives and it's going to just completely just break open in half, right? One to the left, one to the Did you realize that out of the Mount of Olives is going to come this amazing river, it's, this river is going to be so abundant, it's going to turn the dead sea into a living sea. There's, I mean, this is, what it's, this is what's prophesied. You're like, really? I thought there was nothing in the dead sea. It's dead. That's why they call it the dead sea. Right now it is. But when Jesus comes back, there's so much water. And as a matter of fact, Israel has said, yeah, there's a lot of water under this, under the Mount of Olives. Now, that's a lot of knowledge about the Bible and the Word of God, is it not? But trust me, when life hits you hard, you're not going to give a hill of beans that there's water under the, te- under the Mount of Olives. Because we live in our culture and we, in, in, in we need to encounter Jesus. Okay? If you go, hey, things are going really bad for you. Did you know that, there's, that Jesus is going to step on the Mount of Olives and, and there's going to be water? And you're going to go, well, that doesn't help me. I don't care. Honestly, right? You know the Dead Sea is going to come back to life? I don't care right now. That's in Israel. I need help today. Are you kidding me? My kids are flaking. The bills are, I mean, this is, what do I do? Here's why, but when that, that's all about knowledge, okay? And there's a lot of people who have a lot of knowledge about God, but they don't know him. And here's my hope, here's my hope, that when you experience God, you have a true encounter with Jesus, your knowledge that there is water on the Mount of Olives, what is that going to do for you? You're going to go, man, if my God is so powerful and his word is so true, I got all the promises in heaven for me. I got all the promises in heaven for me. Church, can I ask you a question? With a sincere heart and as much love as I can have for you. Have you had your encounter with Christ? 
There's a lot of people who are wearing the T-shirt, but they don't, they don't have a real relationship with Jesus. And I don't say that to condemn you. I love you. The last thing I would hate is for you to go, I thought I was a Christian. I went to church every Sunday. But I, I knew a lot about, I knew, I knew John 3.16, I knew a lot of scripture, but I, that'd be the last thing. I'd want you to just take a moment and ask yourself, Lord, have I, have I experienced, do I know you? Has, has, have you given me life? Here's why. Brittany, Brittany went to church. She prayed a prayer, but her life wasn't changed. It wasn't until she had an amazing, wonderful encounter. And see, God's ready. He's like, hey, I've got this. I've got this. Now, here's what you need to see. Here's what you need to see, okay? Church, have you seen, have you seen the light that gives life to all? Church, have you, have you found real and true love? Do you realize that the creator of the universe loves you? Do you realize that he loves you? Even after every mistake you've ever made in life. After every sin you've committed, he still loves you. After everything. But God of the universe is looking down. He says, I'm not mad at you. I love you. Have you come, church, to the realization that through it all, he's loved you? And such a deep and beautiful love that only Jesus, only Jesus could give you. Church, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you today. He wants to get you to doubt God's love for you. He wants you to be in a place like Brittany where you feel like you have no purpose. You're random. But I'm here today to tell you that God loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's always had a plan for your life. And he's standing with his arms wide open and asking if you, have you had that encounter with Jesus? Has your life changed? In a minute, I'm just going to give an opportunity for anyone who says, Pastor, will you just pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want, I want the scales to fall out. Listen, I want to sing that song. You remember that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me? I once was lost, but now I'm found. What's the next one? I once was, but now I see. And if that's you today, I'm telling you that God is standing with his arms open wide saying, hey, will you come? Will you come to the foot of the cross? Well, pastor, what do I do if I give my life to Jesus? Is it, does it mean everything's going to get better and it's going to be great and, and the bills are going to be paid? No, what it means is that you're going to have life, a life that you're really longing for, but you're going to find it in the only source that can give you life. What does it mean? It means that today that heaven is going to be secure. And you start a journey with God who loves you and has a plan 
and is going to walk with you every single day. So here's what I'm going to do. Let's pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Father, we thank you today that you are the life. And what we need is life, Lord. Dead men need life. And Father, I never want to leave our Bible study without an opportunity to offer to the folks that you're standing and that you're still saving people and you're still forgiving us and you're still offering us life. That's the first thing we need. We need life. So thank you for your work, Lord. Church, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today and and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the message just kind of pricked your heart a little bit, touched it a little bit, and you're just just kind of asking that question, Lord, I'm not sure if I've had an encounter with you, but I want one. I want one. I want to know. I want to know that, that, Lord, I want to experience you. If that's you, I want to pray for you. You go, how, Pastor? I'm just going to ask you to simply lift up your hand. Nobody else will see. All you have to do is raise your hand. You go, Pastor, will you just pray for me? I want to know that I'm, that I'm saved. I want to know. And then, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, just a prayer of dedication to God. So if that's you, will you just lift up your hand right now? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want you, Jesus, today. God bless you in the back. I see you. I see you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? I see two people already. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand. You're saying, you're saying, I just, I want Jesus. I want, I want this encounter. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Anyone else? Just, just simply lift up your hand. I'll see you. Right now, here's what's happening in your life, right? The enemy's going, no, you're already saved. You're already a Christian. Don't do it. Because, because he knows that this encounter is going to truly change your life. And so what you do is you tell the enemy, nope, I'm going to lift my hand because I want, I want Jesus. I'm going to lift my hand because I want Jesus. Anyone else? Father, I thank you. Oh, God bless you. Yes, good, God, good move, good move. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised. I thank you, God, that they're desiring a true encounter of you. And I pray your Holy Spirit fall on them. Lord, we open up our hearts. We invite you inside. Forgive us of our sin, Lord. We truly want to encounter you. Those of you that raise their hands, will you, just, will you just pray this prayer with your heart? Would you just pray something like, Lord, I dedicate my life to you. I want to live for you, and I'm going to choose to follow you. I know I'm a sinner, and I know you're the Savior. I know you died on the cross, and I believe it. But I need help. I need help every day, and I need help walking, and I need, I need your strength and your guidance. Will you come into my heart and do that? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my God? Will you be my Savior, and will you be my friend? And because it's Father's Day, would you just tell him, and would you be my Father? I choose to follow you this day and forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. 
To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.